Hello, welcome to the XX Mormon podcast. I am Heavenly Mother. I'm not sure if I'm con- uh, presiding or You're presiding. You're, pres- You're presiding. And okay. conducting. I'm presiding and conducting. We have two guest speakers that lead this congregation. We have Elder Jackson. And then from afar, we have the Bishop of our ward, Bishop Jensen. Yay! Clap, 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 clap. I'm glad to be speaking to you guys on this conference weekend. (laughs) Oh my god, you're right, it is conference weekend. No wonder my church nightmares have been coming back. (laughs) This this episode is not about conference. That said, I do want to say that my older sister turned off conference the second Dallin H. Oaks mentioned the family proclamation. She said the That's... second the second he brought it up, she just shut it off. Dang. Yeah, yeah. My sister's kind of a baller, so you know. Did she say why? Like why that was just too much? Yeah, because it's a homophobic document, and you know, all the all that stuff, and he uses it as a bludgeon. Can I can I give my defense of Dell? <laughs> okay, this should be interesting. <laughs> Uh, okay. You're, you're gonna defend, <laughs> like, I'm gonna defend Dallin, my friend Dallin. <laughs> Your okay. friend nice, Dallin is a nice name. There we go. Dallin is not a nice name. I think it's a nice name. Okay. Well, I'm always surprised <laughs> when I meet non Mormon kids who are named Dallin. That one always surprises me. Yeah. Like, who, why the fuck do you know this name? <laughs> How did you find out? <laughs> yeah. It's like naming your kid Kolob. It feels like that, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Heber, I, I mean, Heber, and they weren't mm. Mormon. Continue. You can say your defense of Dallin. I will say for Dallin, compared to almost all the other general authorities, is that he does not equivocate on anything. And he is not ashamed to say all the horrible shit that Mormons believe. He doesn't what? sugarcoat anything, he doesn't try and hide it. He's like, I'm a crazy old fucking guy, and this is what I believe. And everybody else is like, sorry, what's that? What does equivocate mean? Uh, like, he doesn't um, he doesn't waver in his opinions. He doesn't try and say, oh, like, uncompromising. He's like, he, yeah, he's uncompromising. He's like, I don't think gay people are good, and I make no excuses for that. And I'm like, do you know what? I applaud your courage to stand by what you believe even if what you believe is shitty unlike the other guys who are like we're a welcoming place the gospel of jesus christ creates a family that's welcoming to all he doesn't say that kind of he's like no we don't welcome you this is the lord's way you're right i just didn't know that word god i'm gonna i literally have to like did you fact check me and no, <laughs> I just, I'm like, tell, was there might be more people that don't know what that word meant. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, like, English has way too many words, y'all. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, agree. Hey, I just want to say, I think that's what makes English a beautiful language. But, alas, um, okay. yes, I I agree with your, um, your defense of Dallin, actually. And I kind of look forward to him becoming the prophet so that more people will leave the church. He'll nuke the thing. Yeah. But he'll he'll he's only nuking it because he's the only one who's saying what they actually believe. You're right. And he's he's holding firm to it, which is, you know, he does the doubling down. They did a survey and I say they some re- researchers did a survey on like what churches are surviving despite the mass exodus. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because the mass exodus is still happening, but the more hardcore you are, uh, you're going to push through because you're going to get small 
but the people that are in are in. So the ones that have like are in a chokehold, I guess, that stay no matter what or mm-hmm. agree with Dallin, they're going to be there. So that's like weird and sad to me. But yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's I hope weird. I hope people get out. Um, but today we're talking about something awesome, right? Something super cool. Operation oh. Underground Railroad. Tim oh Ballard. God. I, ev- ever, everybody else, we're kind of late to this party, I guess, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of, uh, like, Mormon discussion's been talking about this. Mormon Stories has been talking about this. Radio Free Mormon's been talking about it. I'm sure Rebecca Biblioteca and Mormonish has talked about it. Like, everybody's been talking about this guy. But like what we do here, we do semi-research stuff with a lot of editorial. Whereas I feel like all the other podcasts do... 90% well-researched, 10% editorial, so. That's true. That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> We're here that's, for the comic relief. That's right. And we've never really done an on, like, a news story, per se. You know what I mean? Like, we always kind of do our own thing. Like, one time um, when me and Mary Magdalene were thinking of a topic, there was something that was, like, all over Mormon subreddit, and it was, like, apologists. And she was like, no, girl, everybody's doing that one. So <laughs> let's pull off on that. And so I think it's okay if we're a little late to the show for Tim Ballard because it's not our style per se. Mm-hmm. Okay That's true. I thank you for the blessing, Heavenly Mother. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We're going to use a lot of humor because this man yeah. is a monster. He, yeah. Well, I remember when it first started picking up, like, or at least when it started gaining some some news media coverage like kind of in the early 2010s and i thought that's really interesting but there's this there's this saying my boss always uses when i have a brilliant idea he says wow uh bishop you're you're selling me ice cream with no calories (laughs) right and so that was what i started thinking of when i start hearing about this tim ballard guy i'm like this magical guy who used to work for Homeland Security, who's somehow better than every other intelligence agency mm-hmm. at rescuing children from human and sex trafficking. This is like, a, this guy is ice cream with no calories. Like, where's the catch, right? I tell my kid this with Mr. Beast, because everybody loves Mr. Beast for his philanthropy. And I'm like, that guy, there's something not right with that guy. We just haven't found it yet, because nobody's that good. And so that was what I thought about Tim Ballard. It's like, nobody's as good as this guy. Or nobody's as good as what this guy seems to say about himself. Well, not even just good, but, like, talented. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's Batman, you know? Like, that was the... The thing. And I mm, I will throw in my two cents. I was going to probably do it at the end because I'm not an expert on Tim Ballard. But I am an actual mental health professional social worker my whole adult life. And we folks who actually work with survivors of human trafficking on a daily basis never heard of him until it blew up because mm-hmm. in our sphere and in reality, because he created this pseudo reality about the topic, uh, it doesn't work and operate anything like he says that it does. Things don't go down any way that he says that it does. If they do, it's once in a blue moon um, I can lay out exactly how human trafficking goes, especially sex trafficking of ch- children. I can tell you what are risk factors. I can tell you where they are. I can tell you how you can prevent it. All that stuff, all of us in the field know. Um, so when he was getting big right towards the end of his downfall, uh, it was very frustrating because those of us who are professionals were like, yeah, this isn't how it is at all. Mm-hmm. Could like, you, could- I was like, that's not how that 
no, <laughs> no, there's no Batman coming to save you. Could you give us like the five minute rundown? Because I feel like what happened was basically Taken. The movie Taken comes out in like 2009, 2010. <laughs> and then Tim Ballard's Operation Underground Railroad seems basically like, have you seen the movie Taken? Because that's basically what I do. <laughs> and it's like that is like the rarest case, right? Of like the women chained up, attached to an IV of heroin, you know, and Liam Neeson comes and saves the day. Like that's not really how it goes down. So wait, 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 wait. Like... You've never been rescued by Liam Neeson? <laughs> never. Dude, I've never that's been unusual. I've never been saving me from harassment, <laughs> let alone. <laughs> okay, that's not true, but there's a story behind that. One time I was at a, an event and somebody was being kind of racist towards me, but they thought it was funny. And my dad was there. And my dad, like, swooped in and was like, absolutely not. <laughs> it was wild. They were saying ignorant things about Native Americans, and it was around Thanksgiving time. Mm. And this is still Mormon, and my dad was like, not to my daughter. Um, but my dad had left the church. So that is probably the only time a man has saved me from harassment. Men don't harass me when I'm out in public with the brother of Jared, and I just appreciate that. He just exists, and people don't harass me. But... <laughs> So the little rundown. Um, so basically, human trafficking, labor trafficking can be wildly outsourced. It's very similar to Taken. So there was a, a camp out here in Oklahoma, actually, um, where there was a group of men that were forced to do labor, and they had been kidnapped from all over the United States. Um, and one guy got out, and he was from California, and he was like, uh, oh, my God, like, I've been kidnapped. I've been forced to do labor on this ranch. Help. And it was this huge, like, what explosion. He rescued himself, so nobody rescued anybody. He was in his uh, late 20s, and he uh, had an opening, had a getaway, and ran like hell. So labor trafficking can be outsourced pretty far. But when it comes to, like, child sex trafficking, the intimacy of the crime meets the intimacy of the perp. So nine times out of ten... Actually, always, it's somebody that the family knows. So whether it's inside the family or somebody that's affiliated with the family. One of the most like risk factor, scary places for trafficking are actually churches. Da -da -da -da. No one likes to hear that because we all think they're safe, but they're not. Um, I've listened to two survivors of human trafficking where drugs were involved. Both of them, their traffickers were their parents. So the first woman, her mom trafficked her within their own home and people would come and she would sell her daughter, um, and she got her daughter hooked on drugs, the same drugs she was on, and so it was this cycle, um, and the daughter's boyfriend was also in on it as well. So this woman was, this girl was 14, and she had a 20-some-year-old boyfriend. Uh, she survived um, and got out, and that story ends happily. She's now, like, becoming a nurse. Like, look at her go. The other survivor I listened to was trafficked by his father because he met some people at church. And then when his when this survivor was 12, his dad sold him into a child brothel that was four blocks away from his house. Wow. And he was in the brothel from the age of seven, age of 12 to about 17, 18 when he could get out. So basically, it's a close to home, close to the chest crime. It usually is within families, whether the perp is a family member or the family knows about it. Um, secrecy is a huge part of it. A lot of people don't come out until they're well into adulthood when it comes to child sexual abuse. Um, the grooming is very intense where the whole family is groomed or the adults in the family are groomed. Uh, yeah, uh, just not, 
the trafficking of kids across state lines is really rare. This is a close to the chest uh, industry. That's so awful to call it that, but it is. Um, yeah, the, the harsh realities of kids getting kidnapped and snatched far away are not very common. I think when that happens, it's more of a serial killer. But for somebody that uses people like objects for business, um, why do all that work when you can just stay mm-hmm. local? And they absolutely do. It's a it's a local crime. One of the ways you can prevent it is having open conversations with your children about uh, sexual terms and the human anatomy. Another thing to tell children is a couple different things. This is things I've talked about with clients. Um, one is no secrets, just surprises. So you can hold on to a secret and then you share it later, but you don't keep secrets. Um, a safe adult will never ask you for help. That's weird. An adult will go to an adult. And I've told my nieces and I've told clients, a safe man will not ask you for help when you are alone. Men ask other men for help nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. They don't approach a woman by herself. That's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. So I say those two things. A safe adult will not ask you for help. Um, a safe adult will not ask you to keep secrets. Um, and then other things like sometimes perps threaten children with things like if you tell your parents, they'll get mad and they'll kill and they'll kill me. And then your parents will go to jail and be in trouble. And so trying to let your children not be afraid of your reactions because they will protect you and keep the secret. Um, and then also believe kids. Uh, I don't care if it ruins a family tree. I don't care if it, I don't care about any of that stuff. If you have somebody in your family or in your friend group who is accused, just go ahead and proceed with, you know, how you would if they were guilty because the risk is too great if they're not. And obviously false accusations happen, not very often though. Um, But just, that was really, really long, but that was the rundown of how it actually works and how you actually um prevent it and you can have age appropriate conversations with kids about sex and their bodies without being weird you know you just keep it you know keep it sesame street vibes educational mm-hmm. don't get weird and it's not it's, it can be non-scary to a kid so there is um <clears throat> there was an article that came out this would have been 10 or 15 years ago in calgary um, it was around the same time as Tim Ballard, and I remember reading it in the newspaper about uh, human trafficking in Calgary and the common, what had happened was a Filipino nanny had been brought over, um, but then the people who had sponsored her brought her over were um, making her work like 24-7, wow. like hours beyond the contract, duties beyond the contract, um, I think getting her to work for free for other people that they knew, like this whole kind of thing. And that's human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Like if you bring over a foreign worker, they're supposed to have a specific set of duties and a contract and, and they're protected under all the same labor laws that a Canadian citizen would be protected under. Um, but when you bring them out from overseas and then you get, you abuse their labor rights, that becomes human trafficking because you've moved the person, right? And, you, and they held on to her passport and all this horrible stuff. I think there was a, a concluding paragraph that was talking about how this type of trafficking is the largest or one of the largest sources of human trafficking. And I remember reading that at the same time that this whole Tim Ballard child human sex trafficking thing was coming out. And he was talking about how it is a monumental problem throughout all the United States and all the world. And 
I was like, well, now I'm reading this other article that's telling me it's usually like abused nannies and domestic workers. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm like, that that was where I was first like, something's not adding up about this guy, right? Yeah. Math. Boy math. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy math. <laughs> and then the next thing that started, and I don't know how to say this in any polite way, but I'll just start saying it. But when it's like every uh, Mormon housewife starts posting something it's bullshit right <laughs> like the it's doTERRA mind. it's it's whatever and so all of a sudden it's like every mormon mommy is talking about tim ballard and they're putting that operation underground railroad thing as their facebook filter on their profile picture and all this and i'm like something's definitely not right because mm -hmm. the thing that i know is that mormons are not critical thinkers and they spread shit like wildfire and so there's like something not right about this guy if every mormon i know is buying into this and spreading it all over the place so this That's would have been like 2014 2013 kind of thing i like that your spidey senses were going off about those red flags alone you know, my red flags relate to this game because I was like, wait, this isn't how human trafficking works. Why is he telling people? <laughs> this isn't how it goes down at all. Well, not that person. Like I said, the labor trafficking. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, you can outsource like hell for that. But when it comes to child sexual abuse trafficking, like that's a very intimate crime. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. happening in people's homes and they're being trafficked by family members to family friends. You know what I mean? Like it gets weirder. And but it like it's this if you think about kinds of like on a supply and demand kind of basis that is an extremely niche market yeah you know what i mean that is not and I, like i listened to another podcast on this maybe five years ago where they're like they were talking about the actual sources of human trafficking and they were saying if you just think about it like what small subset of the people are willing to pay for sex and then on top of that what smaller subset of the population is specifically focusing on children. That is a very, very small group of people. And and to say that this is like a worldwide epidemic crisis is like, th there can't be a huge supply because there's not a huge demand for this. Right. Right? Like there's, it's not like everybody's a closeted pedophile who's. Timbala <laughs> <laughs> would like you to believe, well, believe I mean that, right? There's a couple things about that. Sorry, Elder Jackson, you've like literally not spoken, so I will let you talk. But I have I have feelings about that phenomenon exactly. So you can speak because I've been on a road. Yeah, I just I like <laughs> like what what you're talking about. There's not a huge huge demand for it, and also like it's not like <clears throat> like the way the way you get access to this is by being like. A creepy family member like a creepy uncle or creepy grandpa or a bad dad or you know like a mom or whatever right like these are these are family members who perpetrate this stuff or close family friends and that's why i think it's important for people to think about who are the trusted adults with their kids and like really and like really really consider that and like uh like you were saying heavenly mother about um not, you know, not worrying about like, oh, well, but if I, you know, what if, what if I hurt their feelings? It's like, hey, listen, <laughs> you know, like 
protecting your kid is probably more important than like hurting the feelings of their auntie or something. That's, you would think, you would yeah. think. One, one, one would hope, Elder Jackson, one would hope. Um, and then another thing about sort of the supply and demand part of it is that it is a small subset. However, because of the societal structures that we have and cultural structures that we have, you literally never know. Like, mm -hmm. they literally do be working under rocks like that. So there's a couple things that are preventative that I went to a training on that was incredible. And this man has worked in the industry for years. And I don't even remember his name because he doesn't do it for ego. And he said, um, you have to build the appropriate fence to protect your family because these people are excellent groomers. They're brilliant at it. And you might have a good fence, but it's not the right one. Like a rabbit proof fence doesn't keep out a bull, you know, like a bull with horns is going to bust through the rabbit proof fence. So the list goes on. One of the things is he said, if somebody targets your child, um, hones in on them, favors them and targets them and does not include them, but keeps them separate, mm. we have a groomer on our hands. So he used some examples because he used to work at group homes. He's worked at all kinds of places. Church groups is a really good example. Let's say there's uh, Timmy and Timmy is excluded from the other boys. He's different. He's weird. He had a rough upbringing uh, and he doesn't really vibe socially with them. And then I, as the counselor, come in and my name is John and I swoop in and I start honing in on, on Timmy because he's at risk. He's at risk to join gangs. He's at risk for what all, whatever. If I don't start bridging Timmy with the other children, mm -hmm. that's a red mm -hmm. fucking flag. So if I'm spending this time with him and mentoring him and giving him gifts, et cetera, and he's not being integrated better into the group, we have a huge fucking problem. Um, in the training that I went to, they interviewed, men, it was a video, they interviewed men that are doing huge sentences for assaulting children. And they shared their authentic thoughts and feelings. And one of them said, he was like, I bought a car for a family to get them to trust me. He's like, there isn't anything I wouldn't do to get a family mm -hmm. to trust me. Wow. And then one of them said, gender didn't really matter to me. I targeted boys because they don't come out about it. I mm -hmm. didn't think I was going to get caught. But like, no, I don't really care what what's going on there. Like, I'm, I'm the problem. Um, so there are preventative things like to look for that, like somebody that wants to spend a lot of time alone with a specific child, but you see the child become more and more isolated. That's weird. Right. Um, and so kind of, and p different people have different rules. Like if a child is in foster care in the United States, we like to recommend things like, don't keep the door closed when they're playing. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's certain little rules about like open doors and et cetera. That's really long, but for the supply and demand, it is a global issue and it is a global phenomenon, but it's more closely tied to violence against women than it is its own subset problem. Because the way that pedophiles talk about children is the same exact way creepy men talk about women. Exact same way. Did you see what she was wearing? You see what he was wearing? He mm. liked it. He didn't say no. They literally are the same fucking guy to me. Like, they're all the same people. Um, but it's not like the labor trafficking is more of a prominent problem. So I wanted to clarify that because there is a supply and demand, but it's not what people think it is. Right, right. And it's not like, I don't know. So my brother went and watched The Sound of Freedom 
and then of course you know came into the family group chat months ago being like you gotta watch this blah 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 you know and uh and then my sister was like was like oh yeah he got the guy who played jesus to play him and it's super you know blah 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 and she kind of like went against it and then um and this was the first i'd heard of this guy ever was you know my brother talking about the movie and then my sister being like yeah the guy's creepy and it's a little fishy and um yeah and then this all blew up like i don't i don't know he made this movie where he's got a savior complex and then literally at the same time everything falls apart and he's in all these scandals and stuff instead of it you know like it wasn't like oh man he had two years of glory and then it all fell apart it's like no no the same time they released this he got fired from his organization he started and then the mormon church denounces him and then this happens and then we find out this about him and then we find out that um yeah probably not a great guy well there were actually um it was about three years ago there were allegations of fraud oh really and the uh yeah i think it was the attorney general in utah had announced that they're looking into him and so there's somebody named lynn packer he did a bunch of episodes on mormon stories he was a cousin of boy k packer um, but then he was publishing a bunch of videos on YouTube talking about a lot of the suspicious um, activities of Operation Underground Railroad, going into their financial statements, talking about suspicious payments, suspicious relationships with him and kind of the political elite in Utah. And so I, that's when I saw that, because it's like for me, I think it was like uh, even when I was active, it was like I was repressing my spidey senses towards the church. So my spidey sense towards every other kind of piece of Mormon bullshit was, that's how I would act out, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So like MLMs, I loathed, right? And Tim Ballard, I loathed because it was like, this has all the traits of Mormon bullshit, but this is what I can act out against. I think right. on a subconscious level. I like validation in my thought there, uh, Heavenly Mother? What'd you say? Well... Is there any validity in my psychoanalysis of myself? Oh, hell, hell yeah, there is. Hell yeah, there is. Because you can't look at the red flag that ugh, is, you can't, you can't address the elephant in the room. There's your issues with the Mormon church. But anything else, because I very similarly, I connect with what you're saying, because for me, I was watching Scientology stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was really invested in the downfall of Scientology. And then, of course, the, dart, the dots start connecting that this feels familiar. And the reason I really enjoy this content is because it's relatable to me of my own experience. So I think very similarly, um, I could almost do it as a, we could do it as a joke episode almost as like the categories of what happens. <laughs> One of them is a freaking MLM. There is a really funny woman on TikTok who did a what happened to the mean girls in her high school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the bar graph and she's yeah. like these are the ones that joined mlms and then mm -hmm. like it broke off into different types of mlms um multi-level marketing schemes and so i mean i think that there is validity to your psychoanalysis i think it's accurate i think it's true um yeah your bs meter for him and for that was going off way before mine did i just thought for a while 
this was somebody who was like really ill-informed about yeah. how human trafficking actually works. This yeah. is a little bit of a red herring, mm -hmm. but I just thought like, mm, self-aggrandizing, white saviorism, eh, I didn't think that it was as dangerous as it actually is now. And now I'm like, God, it is the work. There were a few women, right, that I was in the single adult ward with who I remained friends with on Facebook, but they're kind of like the hyper-conservative, anti-feminist kind of women. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, My favorite type so, of woman. Yeah. As, as like, a woman expert. Well, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't, when, when women come, become like that, it, it reminds me of something they called capos in the, uh, concentration camps, which were like Jews that, you know, the SS would give special privileges to, to persecute the other Jews. And that's kind of, when I see women who are really aggressively towing the Mormon church line, it's kind of like you're, you know, you're also being abused here. Now you're just turning on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you're not a girl's uh, girl. Yeah, but yeah. so when I start see, it's almost like every time I see any of them post anything, I'm like, this is bullshit right away because I know the stock that they come from. So when they were posting about him, that was kind of like my first tip. So I think when I first saw it and the movie Taken had just come out, I was like, well, this is like Taken in real life. This guy's a badass, right? Um, he's saving the world. And then all these crazy conservative women are posting about him. I'm like, okay, maybe he's full of shit. <laughs> the psychology behind why somebody latches on to tim ballard yeah is rooted in our you know 15 characteristics of white supremacy oh totally it's because yeah. it's you're absconding your responsibility uh you know it's this far off problem and if i just trust in him and his elite navy seal batman <laughs> so like the avengers and rescue these kids that are taken across country lines right mm -hmm. they're can, this is international smuggling um then i don't have to worry about having conversations with my kids about their body parts and i don't have to worry about you know the predatory behavior of my elders quorum president or i don't have to worry about how this is intrinsically tied to the objectification of women like i don't have mm -hmm. to do critical thinking i don't have mm -hmm. to do anything preventative i can just say this is a far away problem and it's not mine anymore. And I can just trust in him. Um, it goes back to the, remember the 15 characteristics of white supremacy? I made fun of the people that are like, well, they don't want you to know. And where is the media coverage? And I was like, you do your own media coverage. Like, you, you make it happen. How do you think these mm -hmm. things happen? How do you think Black Lives Matter happened? Like, black yeah. people made it happen, you psycho. Yeah. Um, why is nobody that, talking about this? It's like, we're talking about it. We're talking right about it right now. Like, <laughs> thank you for bringing it up. I didn't know about this, but Everybody's now we're talking about it. And, so they can do that with human trafficking. Keep going. Yeah, I think so. So what you're talking about with like, not my problem anymore is um, like people donate, you know, they, they said, well, I, I donated to Operation Underground Railroad. And so I'm doing my part, you know, but you just, you just sent you know 20 bucks to a non-profit you didn't save a child you you know it's like the key and peel sketch when the he's he said he says hey sir uh would you like to donate to save it save a child today and then he's like yeah sure and then the the van pulls up and he lets one kid out and he's like thanks have a nice day and the van drives away with a bunch of other kids left in it <laughs> and 
like we we imagine like I remember all the time whenever um whenever some somebody for some organization whatever it is would ask me for a donation um I my response was always oh I donate through my church which of course now we know like the Mormon church like you <laughs> you're not doing anything you're like you're throwing a, a $20 bill onto a stack of $100 billion, right? Like, you're, you're just adding one dust to the dust bunny. And, uh, and so when people... Metric or imperial dust? Uh, definitely metric. We do metric on this podcast officially. Uh, so uh, when, when people donate to these things they feel good about themselves when they share it on facebook they feel good about themselves but all it's doing really is inflating this ego of this crazy guy who mm -hmm. puts himself and others in danger in these other countries not actually solving a problem right and maybe maybe there have been people who've been saved by these operations but there's a lot more that he could do not doing like crazy daredevil nonsense so what what's been coming out um you know uh in the last few weeks is like a lot of people who worked on the operations with him and some of them did come from actual like law enforcement backgrounds and they're all talking about how like ineffective everything he what everything he did was mm -hmm. and so one thing that he tim ballard would inadvertently do is create demand for child trafficking mm -hmm. so they go to these countries and they'd say hey we're looking to party do you guys know any guys or girls who want to party and they'd be like yeah we can find you some prostitutes like no problem they're like how young they'd be like uh like i don't know like 18 like and they'd be like got anybody younger like they're like i don't know no, not really. Like, that's not our jam, right? And they're like, oh, too bad. We're really looking for something younger. And then there was this story. One guy goes out, brings, like, a 16-year-old girl. And he's like, is this girl young enough? And one guy's like, is this your girlfriend? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's my girlfriend. It's like, you don't traffic your girlfriend. You don't. Like, <laughs> but people are starting to, or or, or really, really poor and destitute, they, you know? Yeah. They, the pimps go out and find a real destitute family, and they're like, hey, we've got these guys. They say they'll give you 500 bucks if they can. And they're like, well, yeah, I'm wearing rags for shoes, and I live in a mud hole. Yeah. I guess, you know, if this is the difference between living and dying. And so he's inadvertently creating the problem he's claiming to solve. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it's just like the church where it's like, let's make you hate yourself. And then we'll give you the cure for not hating yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's true. Keep so, he, yeah, that's it. Like, he goes out, creates the problem, that solves the problem. And it's a horrible problem to create. Yeah. Yeah. And, a you know, what you're saying about this guy going and bringing back his girlfriend is that is, that is how it happens. It's somebody in a relationship, somebody who's close to somebody who sees an opportunity either for themselves or another person to take advantage of whatever this individual is who's being trafficked. And, uh, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not like 
these foreign actors coming in and scooping up your children, you know, like it's, it's people who, you know, here, right. Um, not, oh my goodness, my child, how many people have you heard about who are like, we lost our child and then we found them in a, uh, in a Thai brothel. We're so glad that, you know, Tim Ballard went and brought, brought him, what? Like, yeah, and I think it it creates that um, it helps enforce that boogeyman, you know, of like my community is safe. I live in a safe American car centric suburb where I drive two cars at the same time. Bishop Jensen was telling me he drives two cars at the same time to make up for my lack of emissions. I um, turn one on. Actually, I get like I I get a. It, like an F-350 and I turn it on, I put it in neutral and then I get an F-450 to tow it <laughs> just to make up for uh, Elder Jensen not driving a Prius. It's true. It's true. And just kidding. Okay, none of that happens. Okay, Heavenly <laughs> Mother, your face was telling a story. Let's hear it. My face was telling it. I was going through a whole journey as you were talking. Yeah. Let me <laughs> let, let me backpedal into the <clears throat> god i really can't hide my little face um there's a scene in the movie and i haven't seen the film but i've seen people rip it apart where there's this guy who's in the you know i stop child sex trafficking now i'm a superhero because in the story he was purchasing a prostitute for services and at the end of their service uh, he realized how young she looked. Interesting, she didn't realize that before, which is odd. And so he started asking her, he's like, how long have you been doing this or how old are you? And she was like, since I was a kid and now I'm like 16. So anyways, see you next Tuesday. And he was like, oh, this is unacceptable. This is abominable. This is so disgusting. Let's let's journey back here. I think so many Mormon men and Mormon women that are, you know, shoot themselves in the foot per se, the anti-feminist ones, they all identify with that character, that type of man, so well. And it creeps me out. It creeps me out for a couple of reasons. So one of the things is when he's like, we're looking for a good time to party. And these pimps are like, yeah, we can get you prostitutes. And they're like, we want them younger. Is this Tim, 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 Tim Saru, Tim, Tim Cherie, Tim Cherie. Is that when it becomes a problem? Is if they're 17 and not 18? Is that when it's it's sick suddenly mm. to purchase a human being via a third party? The money goes to the pimp. It goes to some man. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go to her. She lives in a studio with three other women. So it's just so the morality of it is what's such a red flag to me. Is suddenly it's gross when it's a, a kid but they're the ones determining when it's gross. And they're kind of determined. We know as a society for years, culture determines when a, someone is a, an adult and when someone is a child. Mm-hmm. The way that I hear creepy men talk about women, it's all about the way that they look. So you can be 12 years old and you can, quote, look like a woman. Mm-hmm. So then is it okay? Is it okay to cat, go, cat call her? I was 12 years old when I was cat called for the first time because I looked like a woman enough. So I just, the morality behind it is this giant gray area that is so mind-blowingly unacceptable to me because I live in a world where 
buying any prostitute through a third party is despicable. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're a disgusting creep. And however this woman got into sex trafficking, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't her first option. It wasn't her first, like, career path that she dreamed about when she was 10. No, 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 no. Um, they, they say prostitution is a victimless crime. I think the moment you have pimps involved, it no longer is. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think it ever is per se. I think for women that are self-employed escorts without a third party, that's not something I'm going to get into because that truly is her business. But when you're getting roped in by your boyfriend, by your husband, by your uncle, your grandfather, your brother, um, or just some guy you met, uh, hell no. And it's really sad to me that this whole wave of like, save the children. Why not save the, the young people. young men? Yeah, save the people. Because you yeah. have young adult men who were roped into it when they were 12. And then there they are. And they're a smaller subset, but they're still victims. So that's my really long rant I was telling with my face. Because the morality of it was like, you're still going to find a way to demonize adult women. And then think like, oh, but it's wrong if it happens to kids. And it was like, well, most of them, it started when they're kids. Now they're adults. And I guess you don't care. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that was something that was brought up like just probably years ago in a podcast I was listening to is why doesn't Tim Ballard just go for save the people? And it's because there's this morality play, this pearl clutching, this kind of obsession. Um, it just becomes a lot more marketable if it's think of the children, right? And that's kind of like the conservative play always is it's like, should we have genderless bathrooms? Oh my God, think of the children, right? <laughs> the genderless? The... Uh, yeah. I was actually at the Seattle airport, which is starting to build genderless bathrooms. Yeah. And they are the most well-maintained and wonderful bathrooms in the whole airport. Yeah. When, I... I, when I was in Wales, I was at the, uh, the University of Aberystwyth and uh i went into the bathroom and i was like oh wait and i looked on the sign and it was men and women and then there was a bunch of stalls in there and hand washing station it's like we all shit like Mm -hmm. i don't i i really don't understand people's opposition to genderless bathrooms and the best part is that i found is that all men will wash their hands in a genderless bathroom because they don't know if their mom's gonna walk around the corner and slap their hands for not washing. So, in order... <laughs> I just, I just, I just want to say that Bishop Jensen does not speak for all men. I would not wash my hands regardless of if my mother walked around. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have you just, always. You just, you just stare down. Him. I, I have, I have always washed my hand hands every single time after I've gone to the bathroom. Unless I'm camping and I just pee in pee in the forest, but that's different. You don't have you, just, you don't have germs you when you're camping. You draw this artificial line around a house. For some reason, peeing in a house is more special than peeing in the woods. You have to wash your hands in a house, hey? Eh? It's true. But if it's in the woods, not gonna go rinse in a river. Even I'm just risking it. Well, I'll, I'll rinse in a river if it's I available. I have hand sanitizer when I go camping. Well, you know what? Good for you. I like to let nature take its course. No, I haven't gone camping in years. Well, this took a turn. Um, It did. Do we need to do a part two? Yeah. Because if you didn't even get into the meat of this allegation. Of what's actually happening. Yeah. 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 Just sort of roasted the concept. So so maybe 
maybe we can talk about this again sometime. Um, this was really lovely. I have to, I actually have to work early today. So oh, I, God. I, yeah, I definitely don't have, uh, time. They, they invited me to come to work early today and it's great cause it's a whole extra $15, um, for an extra hour of work. So, you know, they're really, I mean, I just want to say thank you to the billionaire class. They're really generous with their, with their money. Um, and I really, I'm glad I have the opportunity to help them get, uh, that next yacht for, for them. They deserve it. God. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. But I mean, I can probably, we'll, we'll figure out a time. Bishop Jensen's not saying anything because he's part of the billionaire class. Oh my God. Well, I mean, in order to have two, you know, heavy duty pickup trucks to drive at the same time, <laughs> you kind of have to be. It's true. In Vancouver of all places. We're not coming for millionaires. We're coming for millionaires. I don't yeah. care if you're a millionaire. I'm not, I'm not going to eat you alive, yeah. but I will commit cannibalism for billionaires. I will eat, eat the rich, them. That's what I mean. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Violent means necessary. Uh, I, I say serve the rich, but, you know, to oh each their God. own. Oh, I'm, I'm so ready for the revolution. Um, who should we close in the name of? And then we'll coordinate another time. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Silence is loud. My God. Our brother Dallin. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I refuse. He's a monster. <laughs> Can I actually pick somebody. He's Let me openly think. a monster. Oh, you know what? I want to close. It's kind of a serious note because this woman actually does things for human trafficking and did not work with Tim Ballard because she got weirdo vibes. It was Elizabeth Smart. It's not her hmm. last name anymore, but. She does a lot for actual survivors of child sexual abuse. And she didn't want to work with him because she was like, you're a weirdo. I mean, okay, I don't know if she said that, but they did meet and she mm -hmm. chose not to collaborate with him and his team. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably because she knows how it really goes down and how it doesn't, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can close in the name of Elizabeth Smart because she's a solid person. All right. Amen. <laughs>